This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Are you watching Squid Game? No. I, I can't watch anything that violent with Violet in the house, so I'm watching only murders in the building. Well, I'm watching, but it's so stressful, I can only see parts of it, and then I just, like, walk away. <laughs> but I am up to date on The Bachelorette. I mean, of course, I would expect nothing, nothing less. Oh, wait, my dinner's ready. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how we can make our theoretical season two of Fantasy Island into a hike instead of a sprint. Then I answer a question about my name, or should I say names? I have many. (laughs) We also have a very special LVS, Liz versus Sarah segment, in which Liz admits I was right. And (laughs) this week's Hollywood hack will make your emails more efficient and less annoying to those receiving them. But first, Sarah, we have an update. In episodes 231 and 233, we shared our holiday gift guide. We have many great suggestions for gifts. Uh, But Amy B. had a reminder about holiday shopping. She said... Love your show. Just a reminder to all listeners that while the supply chain issues are for real, shoppers also have a great opportunity to shop local and support their community. Most artists I know are creating a lot of great work and none of it is in gigantic boxes on ships stuck in various harbors. Shipping domestically is slower. So if you do buy online, yes, buy a month or so ahead of time. But studio visits and shows are all in person. Thank you. Great point. Great point. And I will add to that that one of my favorite local artists in Los Angeles, if you happen to be in Los Angeles, is Amy Smith. You can find her on Instagram at Amy Smith Art. She's super cool. She does lots of like cool feminist art. And I had her do a custom piece that I really love. Yes. So definitely check her out. And then as we do every week, Sarah, we want to remind our listeners that they can still watch Fantasy Island on Hulu and Fox.com. It is not too late to watch and enjoy Fantasy Island. Yes, and it does still count. People keep asking us if uh, they're still paying attention to the numbers. Of course, they always yes, do. They so, yes. <laughs> Please watch or, you know, rewatch. Also yeah. acceptable. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. 
This week, it's a question. So we're very hopeful that we will soon be embarking on season two of Fantasy Island, hoping to get that green light. Literally within hours. Like when we say soon, we mean soon. (laughs) That's right. The question is, how can we make season two a hike as opposed to a sprint? So let's first explain what we mean by that. Yes. Well, a sprint definitely is what season one was. It was just like we were out of the gate and then we were running at full speed the entire time. But a hike, and we we keep saying we want it to be a hike, not a marathon, because a hike is arduous, you know, on and off. There are places that are harder than others, but it's also enjoyable. This is yes. the key. Yes. So a sprint is not enjoyable and you collapse at the end. <laughs> A marathon is extremely grueling. It's not enjoyable Um, for longer. And it's not (laughs) enjoyable for a longer period of time. But a hike has highs and lows. You go up a hill, but then you go down a hill. You stop and have a picnic. You chat with your friend. You look at the view. A hike is what now you might be panting, as I often am, even feel like you're going to throw up for a moment because it's so hard, but then you get to a different part. And that is what we are going for. We love a good hike. Nothing better than a great hike. That's what season two will hopefully be. So how are we going to make that happen? Well, the biggest thing, Sarah, we have discussed is that this season will have an actual schedule that makes sense. So last year, (laughs) (laughs) because it was straight to series and we didn't have a pilot, even a pilot script, and we were really racing, as you said, from the beginning, we were behind We had a schedule, but we knew from day one we would never meet that schedule. As as we were very clear about that from day one. We told people, make whatever schedule you want, because we are just going to be going as fast as we can. And these dates are, you know, more or less not meaningless, but we knew we wouldn't hit all the dates. Yes, absolutely. But this season... Assuming the pickup comes very soon, this season we actually should be able to meet all the dates. It's still going to be tight. It's always tight, but it's realistic, I would say. So having a schedule that is rooted in reality is step one. Yes. And then if we're very cognizant of the dates and really mindful of staying on pace to meet every date, because we have different deadlines. There's story area, there's outline, there's first draft, second draft, production draft. So anyway, as long as we're mindful of all that, we can actually keep our pace. Yes. And then, you know, one thing, Sarah, this being season two, we're hoping that we can divide and conquer more. There are two of us And we are going to have a staff. Granted, it will be a small staff, as it was last year. (laughs) But we are hoping to do more dividing work between the two of us and delegating to others. Yes, we have some great upper-level people who are more than capable of stepping in when we need particular things. So it will definitely be possible to sort of spread the workload a little more and to do that... Uh, with intention, because we won't be just running, 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 and not even seeing where we are. 
Yes. It's funny because I think a lot of people have a hard time delegating. Um, I think one year my sister's word of the year was delegation or delegate Mm. because she has a hard time delegating. So I think that is a big part of making this sane. And also it gets everybody invested in the show when they have more to do. So it's a good thing. Yes. Yeah. And one huge advantage that we have in season two is that we have a staff that's already written the show and they know how to write it. Not everyone. We're bringing in a couple new people. Um, Knock on wood, assuming, again, this isn't a theoretical season two. But we have people, including us, who have (laughs) written the show, know what they're doing. I mean, last year the show changed literally after the table read. So we didn't even know what the show was for a while. We were all trying to figure it out together. Fortunately, we did. But now we know it. And we can just dive in without sort of all of that, like, what are we doing feeling. And for those writers who haven't written on the show, at least they can watch it, which is a huge help. Huge. Now, another thing, Sarah, we want to do this year, um, and this, you know, this is sort of like as, again, the the season unfolds and we're in a groove, we want to push back on unnecessary work. So season one, we spent a lot of time doing unnecessary work, again, partly because all of us were trying to figure out the show. So we would sort of go down a path and then that path was rejected and we would have to retreat and go down another path. And a lot of times we were also just trying to get things done in a way that to us doesn't make sense. Right. But because of our crazy schedule, we sort of had to. And this year, we want to avoid that. Yes. And then trusting our guts. I mean, this is a big one. And we have always found for our entire career that when we do this, we benefit. But season one, in the room, for example, we would sort of let people go down a wrong path because we were still unsure if it was a wrong path or not. We'd kind of think it was a wrong path, but we'd be like, well, let's see where this goes. This year, I think if we know something is a wrong path. We're going to stop and mm-hmm. and say, all right, let's turn left here. There's a different yes. path we want to go down and be a little firmer about that. So hopefully we'll be more efficient. Yes. I think trusting my gut is one of the hardest things for me. I feel like I always second guess it. And I think a lot of other people do too. Totally. I do think that might be related to being a woman. Um, And an obliger. And an obliger, yes. So that is something I am working on in general, is trusting my gut for everything, not even just at work, but definitely at work. Yeah. And a perfect example, of course, of us actually doing this, so we have evidence that that it works, is episode 107, which was the Melrose Place episode. We were just like, this is what this episode's going to be. This is how it's going to play out. <laughs> like, anybody yeah. who sort of veered off course, we were like, nope, that's not it. It's this. Yep. Yes. And it's, you know, it's a great episode. Yes. It's called The Big Five O for anybody who wants to watch it, who hasn't one of our favorite episodes. And then, Sarah, this is a tough one as well. Uh, Setting time boundaries. Yes. So let's discuss. So there's all sorts of boundaries, right? Um, (laughs) And all of which are crossed all the time in television in terms of work and home, because as a showrunner, you're sort of on call 24-7. I mean, we tell people literally to text us 
24 hours a day if they need yeah. us. So we are on call 24-7. Well, especially when you're shooting in a different time zone and, yes, and shooting exactly. hours are long. Yeah. Yes. But we can set certain limits so that we're not just always work in a work frame of mind. Yes. Like weekends need to be weekends. Season one, we literally worked seven days a week for months on end. Yes. And I think it's important for us to observe our weekends and respect our weekend time. Yes. And, you know, we could do like, today is your day to answer texts. Today is my yes. day to answer texts. Yes, you know, we don't exactly. have to both do everything every day. That's right. And that goes with us dividing and conquering and delegating to each other tasks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That will really help us with our stamina. Yeah. Because, you know, one thing that happened last year, again, because we were sprinting, is we just had nothing left at the end. And, you know, runners nothing. always talk about you have to leave something for the end. And we were just wiped out. Yes. At the end of the hike, we want to still have enough energy to get back to the car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right. We need to be able to walk to the car. Yeah. Not um, so, so yes, it's for our well-being, but it's also for the good of the show because you want to totally. end as strong as you start and you don't want to start like rewriting too fast or not having the right meetings because you're too drained and all of that. So it's for the good of the show for us to preserve our energy. Absolutely. Especially because we think that season two is going to be 13 episodes, not 10. So yes. it's actually a longer haul, and we're going to need to have that energy reserve. Exactly. So listeners, how do you make sure that you are not sprinting to the finish line? We <laughs> are open to any and all advice. We really want to take care of ourselves this year um, and take care of the show. So open to any suggestions. Meanwhile, coming up, I'm going to answer a mailroom question about my married name. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, it's time for our mailroom segment where we answer a listener question. Um, we got a question from Erin. She wrote, I have a question for Liz regarding keeping her last name rather than taking her husband's name. I know it's a really common thing to do, but I don't actually know anyone personally who did. I'm engaged and I plan to keep my last name, but where it gets tricky for me is future kids and whose name they'll get. Liz, whose last name did you give to your son? And if your husband's name, how do you feel about having a different last name than him? Interesting question, Liz, and complicated. Yes, this goes to, I have many names. I'm known as Elizabeth Craft, Liz Craft, Liz Fierro, and occasionally Elizabeth Fierro. So I kind of have four <laughs> names. I actually did officially change my last name to Fierro, but I kept Craft for my professional name. And what has ended up happening is it's just, I use craft all the time because my credit card, which is like a business card, says craft. So it's just I'm always Liz Craft, basically. <laughs> now, I so Jack does have the last name Fierro. And one of the main reasons I changed my name was because I, I figured if we had a child, I would want him or her to have the same last name as me. Also, at the time, it seemed very romantic, like, oh, I'm changing my name 
And I don't regret changing my name. I just think it's not as big of a deal as people think it is. I think everybody's used to people having all sorts of names um, and kids having different last names. One thing you can do if you don't change your name is, but you want your child to have your husband's last name is you can give your last name as the middle name. So, you know, if he were Jack Craft Fierro, for instance, but Sarah, the funny thing is I usually book our hotels and I uh-huh. <laughs> always use craft because that's what my credit card says. So the truth is that in our family, Adam is called Mr. Craft way more often than I'm ever called <laughs> Mrs. Fiero. So in a sense, I feel like we've both sort of changed our names and it's all just all over the place. Yes. Oh, see, and I have an interesting sort of take on this as well, because when I grew up, I had a different last name than my mom. My last name is Fane, obviously. My mom's last name was Strong, and my first stepdad's last name was Carson. So in my house, we had three last names, and it was fine. It just, you know, people sort of go with whatever. And if someone called my mom Mrs. Carson, she would be like, yeah, fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it's something that before you deal with it, it seems like a bigger problem than it is. So I would just say, do what you want to do. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Yeah. And congratulations, Aaron. Yes, congratulations. Okay, coming up, Liz has a huge life-altering announcement that I'm very excited about because it means that I win a long-standing argument. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for our LVS segment, Liz versus Sarah, where we debate a topic that we don't see eye to eye on. And for years, we have not seen eye to eye (laughs) when it comes to having pets. Yes. Now, I am a pet person. I think that's clear by the fact that I have two dogs, two guinea pigs, three chickens, and a snail. I think pets add tremendously to your life. I just feel weird when I don't have a dog. It just doesn't seem right. So I have been, for the entire time I've known you, including when we were roommates, I had a dog and therefore you had a dog by proxy. I'm a, I'm a pet person. I just, I can't help it. I am. Yeah. And I am not like a pet person. I've always been a pet skeptic. It just seemed like very inconvenient, very expensive, With a dog, potentially a lot of shedding. Adam and I had two cats when we got married, but I was allergic, which did not add to my, um, (laughs) to my, my pet enthusiasm. I love the cats, but I was very allergic. Um, However, Sarah, I am coming around to your point of view on this. Yes. Because Adam and Jack and I got a puppy. Oh my God. This is like the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. So we got a puppy. He's a corgi. His name is Nacho. And Jack and Adam have both wanted a corgi for as ever. And <laughs> I was, you know, again, the skeptic, especially because corgis are known to shed. Yes. But it was. We've had many conversations about shedding over yes. the last month. <laughs> yes. But it's something Adam has wanted literally for years and years and years. And Jack has been on board. So I finally decided, Sarah, I, to come up with the mantra, hair on the couch versus harmony in the house. I'm like, oh. this is going to make them happy. And then, you know, I'm going to go with it. And I'm going to 
use our thing. If you can't get out of it, get into it. I'm like, I'm going to just embrace this with enthusiasm. And I have to say, since his arrival, I am a convert. I love having the dog. It is a huge pain. He does shed. It is a pain and it is expensive. I wasn't wrong about any of that. Right. (laughs) But he brings a lot of joy. I think he really is going to bring us together as a family, um, it's wonderful to have this just, you know, wriggly little being going around the house and he's very sweet. Um, and I think we are going to just love having him. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting this LVS to rest and I'm just saying you win. I win, but I mean, honestly, you win because it, he is the cutest puppy. Like he's very the- cute cutest puppy. Um, Violet yes. and I are going to come by and meet him tomorrow, and we're both so excited. Yes, we'll post a picture of him in the show notes. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. And by the way, Sarah, um, Adam did get him his first Halloween costume this year, so he had a little... <laughs> oh little thing on him that made it look like somebody was riding him like a horse, like a cowboy Aww. was riding him. So it was very cute. So we're all in on the corgi. Yeah. Okay, so Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. Clear email headers. Okay, so this came up on a like an internal panel that we did for Fox. It was all women who have shows on Fox. And the discussion was so fascinating because one of the questions from the Fox executives was like, what can we do to make your lives easier? And everybody said, clear email headers. Like it was a universal answer that in email communication, it's so much easier if it just like the header says something really clear and that's all that the particular email thread is about. And if you have something else to say on a different topic, do a new email thread with a different email header. It was like, oh, duh. Yes. Of course. I think we didn't even think about it. Yeah, we spend so much time like searching through emails, trying to remember what chain was that on? And well, (laughs) this says it's about episode three, but I know the question we're talking about is actually episode eight. And this would just be happening constantly. So anytime you want to communicate with someone, if you just say in the subject line exactly what you're communicating about, it makes everybody's life so much easier. And I think it will get you your answer faster. Because no one will have the dread of searching through all their emails to find the email you're sending again. Yes, it was it was an eye opener. And the fact that like all the showrunners were like this, this is what we should all be doing. What was cool about it is I think the executives really were like, oh, okay, like we can do that. That's easy. Yeah. You know, everybody was like, well, that's we can accomplish together. (laughs) This is a change we can make. So we'll see how our hope, hopefully, how clear email headers go in season two. We also need to do this, Sarah. Yes. Oh, yes. We're implementing this as well, for sure. For sure. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. 
Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, I was really hoping that we were going to have to pause that recording to get the call about the show. I know. I totally had that fantasy this morning. I was like, oh, my God, if we're recording and they call, then we'll have it. It'll be in the podcast. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Oh, well. From the Onward Project.